There is nothing, absolutely nothing, like being able to serve yourself food when you need it. And that's what On Demand is about. You get to sit down at the Word of God when you can, when you're off work, when you have free time, and allow God to speak to you. So you're here with me today to have an On Demand journey. So join me today for a message that will unlock truth in your life and give you peace and blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy today's message. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, dreaming, dreaming. again. I've done this third time. This is my third time preaching this sermon, and this is the issue of you do multiple services. You, you, um, you kind of test your way from the beginning to the end. And by the time you get to the third one, you kind of have a clue about what you think you want to say. This is the beginning of a series. I've never done this where I start the series at the end of the year, where I, I know that, you know, I had another sermon series I promised you. I was going to talk about teamwork. But let me just preach that real quick for you. Get along with people. Everybody say Amen. That series is over with now, so I want <laughs> just get along with people. That's the bottom line of that. I, I wanted to hurry up and get to this. Uh, I was going to do it next month, but I felt compelled. And so after teaching this a few times, here's what I, I, I've come away with. The goal of the sermon is today in this series for this it's for the year, really, is to, is to talk about dreaming again. And I, I told you before that the, I was going to talk about reimagine, I think was the name I had before. But I, I didn't want to, I just felt like, no, I don't want to talk about reimagining. I, I, I want to talk about dreaming. So let me just say it. And I want to talk about getting you to the place where you dream again, where you're, you're not just living. And so there were two questions that came to my mind. One was, repeat it with me, please say, what is my dream? And then you think about that for a minute. Because what is my dream right now? If I would say, what, what, what's the current dream I have? And then here's a second question. Repeat with me, please say, what was my dream? What is my dream? What was my dream? I have an analogy up here. I have four different people up here on this graphic. And these four people all portray some side of that. You have a young girl, right? She's looking up in the sky and she's dreaming. And then next you have a woman who's dreaming. And then you have this guy looking out over a canyon who's like this endless dreams, right? And then you've got this older guy my age, you know, with a little gray on his beard and he's dreaming. All four of them paint a picture. The question is, what is their dream? What was their dream? For some of you, that's a very important question because for some of you, you haven't thought about it in a while. And then for some, you say, well, I did have a dream, but it didn't work out. And I don't know how to, man- I don't know how to manage that. I don't, know how to- I, don't- I don't know what happened. So I want-, I want to talk about a guy in the Bible, his name was Moses, who had a dream. And I want to talk about how he managed a big dream he had. He had a big plan, a big idea, and it was born out of a frustration he had. And I want to walk through his life and show you four things that I think describe this guy's dream. And so I want to introduce you to four terms. But at the end of it all, here is what I believe is the question for the year. How do you dream again? Can you sit out with me, please? Come on. How do you dream again? Every year I try to answer one question, and that's my question for the coming year. How? So, okay, so you're telling me to dream again, but how? How? How, do I, how does all that work? The first thing you have to do is learn how to manage your dreams. You have to learn how to organize them. If you don't manage them and put them in some order, you'll be all over the place. And if you're not honest with yourself about those dreams and those ambitions and goals, you're not going to get anywhere. There's something about being clear, and Moses is a good example of this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. 
But let me start with four terms I want to just say to you, just to kind of put us in some kind of um, basic structure here. You're going to talk about something I call cause-driven. Can you say it with me, please? Come on. Cause-driven. And, and that is a focus on a cause, when a person's just focused on a cause. Civil rights, women's rights, men's rights, children's rights, whatever it is, they have a cause in their mind. And that cause drives them. They get up in the morning, they talk about it. If you're around them for a few minutes, they mention it. You know, there's always the cause, you know. And then secondly, um, and well, let me backtrack again. A good example of this would be in, in, with school teachers. Because they, they, you know, they start off and they, the cause is to educate these children. We're going to fix the school system. And so they go in with that ambition. And so if you have a paralegal, you have the school teachers and you have the VPs and then you have the principals and then you have the, the people over them, you know, all the people in the executive office over the, you know, the high school executive that's over all the high schools and the middle school and so on. And then above that, you have all the other you know, people like the, the superintendent. And that's a really an amazing position. I've had a chance, the privilege to know a few in my lifetime. And in, in getting to know them is just amazing how they, they come into the job believing I can change the world. And then you have the school board people and all the school board members and everybody has a strong, strong view. But what's amazing is that you get to know them and you talk to them, they're all frustrated. At some level, they all can, they, they not only complain up the, up, the, up, the, up, the, up the scale. So from the bottom up, the parents think it's the teachers, the teachers think it's the VPs, the VPs think it's the principal, the principal need another principal in here because he's not doing a good job. She needs a new principal because she doesn't know how to confront people. And then you got, <laughs> you know, and then they complain about the people at the top office and then the, it's just amazing, it's amazing. And the superintendent is going, what can I do with this? And, then, and the school board is going, we know how to fix it. Elect me, I'll change all schools. Everybody will make A's. And so everybody's, everybody's going through a challenge and everybody's feeling that their dream just doesn't pan out like they thought it would. How, how do you manage that? How do, you, how do you focus your attention? Well, this guy we're going to look at today has a dream. He has a cause. We'll talk about that in a minute. Secondly, self-righteous is a word we're going to look at. The focus is self and ignoring others. A person who's self-righteous doesn't really care about anybody else. It's all about me. It's about, what I, about my cause, my issue, my feeling, my moment. This is me. And this leaks into a marriage. It leaks into a business relationship, you know, where you just you, uh, me. I'm Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're here to hear me. And so it's all about me and not about you. So I'll talk too long. Don't care about you being tired. Who cares? We'll stiffen up and love Jesus. Listen to me. You know, you know what I'm saying? Something's wrong with you because you want to go home. Well, it's been three hours. Can we go home now? You know? No. When you go to the club, well, how long did you stay? Or when I went to the club, I could leave. You know what I'm saying? I could just walk out. I didn't have to stay. And I wasn't tied to a chair. You know? It's, and plus, we used to dance a little bit. But, you know, there's this whole thing that we sometimes ignore because we become self-centered. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then there's something I call dream failure. Can you say it, please? Come on dream failure. This is what the focus is on the dream, right? But the dream didn't work out. What do you do when that happens? And then lastly, we'll talk about obedience failure. You know, the focus is obedience. So you just, the focus is on obedience, but you just somehow, it's hard for you to stay straight. Because when you get to a certain place or a certain point, you just fall off the obedience cliff. You, 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 you obey God as long as it's convenient. He's only invited into the conversation as long as you want him in. But when he gets to certain areas of your life, that's none of his business. You know, your sex life, your money, your time. You come when you want to come. If you want to come, you do what you want. But when you call him, you expect him to say, hey, what's up? What do you need? You want God to respond real fast to all your text messages and all of your prayers and all of your thoughts and all of your desires. 
but you spend more time watching TV, look at your FaceTime on your phone, you spend more time doing that than you would ever spend in prayer or reading the Word or anything like that. It's just amazing. It's amazing if you're really honest and you back up the train just a little bit. There's a lot of obedience failure. The guy we're going to look at today, his name is Moses, and he starts us in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. It's in your notes if you have them. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. This is a guy who is fascinating to me. And it's fascinating because he's a guy who has a cause. He's cause-driven. We meet him in chapter 2, verse 11. He is now the son of Pharaoh. He was adopted into the family of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter saw him in, you know, and just a great story in Genesis, Exodus chapter 1 where he was, you know, uh, going to die. And his mom had given up on saving him because they were killing all the babies. And so she put Moses in the river and, and just, just let him go. And die. If he's going to die, he'll die in the river. I'm not going to let them take him and kill him. And so... Then while Pharaoh's daughter saw the little baby riding by, she sent the maid out to get, who is that? Is that a, one of those babies? She went and grabbed him, looked at Moses, and, and he was, she was drawn in. Moses means drawn out. So he was, she, was, she, was, uh, she, was, she saw him, and he was so beautiful. And then she, and he, she called Moses' mother and said, could you please take care of this baby for me, and I'll pay you. And she said, great job offer. I sure will. And so she raised her son, and so he grows up with this sense of, of blessing and heritage, and, and, and he looks at his people because he knows who his people are. But even though he has advantage, he knows that, he, that he's unique, and so he wants to fix this. He's 40 years old in our story in chapter 2, and he is grieved by it, and so he is cause-driven. Can you say it one more time? Come on. Cause-driven. Just as a sidebar, I didn't say this in any other service, but I'm going to say it here just for a brief minute. Christians have historically been cause-driven and wrong. We've been on the wrong side of history a lot of times. The whole German Reich army was, uh, was validated by Christians. There were a group of, of religious people who told Hitler that was okay. Slavery and its roots was supported, validated, scripture-given to slaves by Christians. If you know history, our history is, is the whole crusade period, the killing of Catholics and Protestants, the murdering of cities and towns in France and Italy and Spain, horrific. That's why very often in Europe they're, they're not very religious, even though they were the their birthplace of a lot of the revivals and moves of God. But over time, the church got on the wrong side. There's this amazing moment when you can be driven by a cause and blinded at the same time. You're so passionate about abortion. And you're real passionate about, name it, but you're blinded by a bigger picture. I'm not, I'm not pro-abortion at all. I'm anti. I don't want anybody. I want all babies to live. I got all that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I, Ricky Temple, with all of my personal convictions and views, live in a world with other people. Let me not talk too far down that road because you'll start reading into what I'm saying. All I'm saying is we can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be mad at your husband because he didn't do something, but you can't shoot him. Right? And wrong. I don't know why you ladies ain't, but one lady said amen to that. Ain't but one 
<laughs> You're the only one that said amen. But thank you, woman of God. God bless you. A light to all the women in this room right now. <laughs> There's something about this be, being, being clear that in this guy's life, he is cause-driven. He's passionate. Watch what he does. It's amazing. Now, it came to pass in chapter 2, verse 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burden. He looked at their burden, and he saw an Egyptian be beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. He saw, and he said, man, this is awful. He's beating this guy down. I mean, it must have been pretty bad. And so here's what he did. Why don't you read verse 12 with me? So he did what? Look this way and that way. And when he saw no one, pause. When he saw no one, when he saw no one, it's amazing what you do when nobody's looking. It's amazing. Is anybody here? And then the Bible said he killed the Egyptian. And he didn't just kill him. He hit him in the sand. What a moment. Now, you have to understand, though, he's cause-driven, right? He wanted to help his people. That was his plan. But notice how his, his cause has now led him into a direction in life where he's no longer caring. He's now self-righteous. He feels as if it's right. He's selfish and completely focused on his vision. Nobody else's. Verse 13 says of chapter 2 of Exodus, And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. Who, who, who was fighting? Two Hebrew men, two of his brethren, were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Why are you hitting that guy? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Look at your neighbor and say, people talk. Come on. People talk. People talk. People talk. People see and people talk. And what's really amazing is, I'm going to show you how true this is. How many of you know something about somebody, but they don't know that you know it? Raise your hand. See, I told you, people talk. Right in here, people talk. And if I ask you how you found out, you either saw it or somebody told you. And there, there's, there are things that people know and there are things that people say. And so Moses makes this incredible decision and now he's feeling righteous about his decision. But he's wrong. Self-righteous. What conclusions have you come to that, tr that are purely your opinion? You're not even interested in anybody else's opinion. You care less. You don't, you don't, you know. And religious people can be very... God, you can, we can be so amazingly arrogant. We just think everybody on the job wants to hear you preach to them at lunch. That the reason they come to work is so you can give them another Bible verse. That's why they're there. They're there for you. They want you to, to talk a long time when they see you. They want to pass you, but they know they have to go around the building to get away from you because you're going to always have a word. I'm not against talking to people, but I, but I think what's interesting, if you're not careful, is you make assumptions because you feel in your own self that it's righteous. So my, my, my goal is to make you like the temples, right? No, if you're not careful, you know, that could be the, but that shouldn't be the goal. You should, you, I'm not trying to stop you from being you. No, right's right, wrong is wrong. Okay, I get that. You know, there's some absolutes. I, believe, I don't believe in anything goes. So some things, the Temples and the Smiths and the Barneys and whoever should all agree to, that certain things are wrong. But there, there, there is a problem when I approach every relationship with that way, I, with this attitude that I'm, you know, I'm sort of my way is the right way. I, I used to get criticized um, because um, 
I teach. I, you know, I, I, I'm not against preaching. I just got, the real truth is I just, when I used to talk real fast, I said, turn your Bible, and Jesus said, and Abe, I get confused. I forget where I was. So I used to go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, to fill in the gap because I'd be confused. So I just slowed down and talked like me. How about an amen to that, huh? <laughs> at least I know where I'm at. You can get up here and do what you want to do, but I, I just can't do all that. I get confused. You may not like sermon notes. Just talk off the top of your head. You can sound like you're talking off the top of your head. I'm not against notes. I'm not against not having notes. I can do it both ways. The issue, though, is I need to find a place where I'm me. I'm me. But I don't need to become the kind of person who becomes so self-righteous that I don't consider you. Moses didn't care about anybody but him. What hurts the relationship between a pastor and a member Members is the members care only about themselves and the pastor only cares about himself. Same thing in a marriage, marriage relationship. I only care about how I want to talk to you. I don't care about how you hear it. Same thing with kids. I don't care. I am the teacher in the room. Really? Is that all you care about? Are you, are you so right that you don't really care where they want to go on vacation? what they want to eat. It's always your way. Because I'm the mother. I'm paying. You ain't got no job. Get a job and you can pick what we eat. Till then you eat this. Really? Really? How I talk to you, how I, what I say to you, where I say it in front of anybody in the mall, anywhere. Man. I, I've witness stuff, and i got to be careful here, I'm gonna get on. but I witnessed stuff that's made me go, boy, this is a bad moment for Moses, and so he's in this self-righteous moment, he's feeling good about himself, and he, he kills this guy, and now he finds in verse, verse 14, under, number, under C in your notes, Moses had driven, hit what, what I call dream failure, watch what happens, so Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known, people talked, now he's afraid. Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now imagine this. He's failed now, and he's sitting there. He had a cause. He thought he was righteous, but now he failed, and he's sitting, it's amazing, at this well with this incredible weight. It's all gone. Now, I want you to understand the context of this. This is a guy now who can't go back home. Left his cell phone, his iPad, everything. Mercedes Benz chariot. Walks off, only with the clothes on his back, and he goes to Midian. Because he knows the deal. If I stay here, they're going to kill me. So, have you, and, and you, you got to visualize this. He comes and he sits. I love this part. He sits at the well, and he's failed. What's it like in this moment? Man, lost my job, lost my house, lost my family, lost, lost, lost. I am, I am, I am in failure right now. Can't be redeemed. That marriage is over. This whatever is over, this job, I can't go back. What's that, what's that feel like? You feel dreamless, right? You feel like there is no more dream. None. This is over. So now he gets a new job, right? What was the new job? 
Well, it's low paying. It's, it's, it's sheep herding. You go from the palace to the sheep. You're walking around naming sheep. Hey, Billy Bob, Buckwheat. <laughs> I mean, you got this is your job. You don't talk to people. You get a stick and some sheep. And you walk around, and this is your job. Now, and you're so, and then when people ask you questions, you know, this is what gets on your nerve, right? People say, What did you tell them where you come from? Oh, around. You can't tell them where you're from. How'd you get those nice clothes? Well, I was, you know, I just came across them. You make up stuff because you know you, you, have a, you ever have a story you can't tell? So tell me about your family. You, you want to say they're all crazy? <laughs> Mama crazy, daddy crazy, brother, he wacko. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you don't want to kid you to say they're, 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 they're interesting. You don't know. You can't say anything. You can't say, you can't say your story. That's how you feel. You got a story that you cannot tell anybody how do you manage the dream when it fails? You had a right cause. You felt you were right, but it didn't work. So now what? <laughs> You're not careful. You just get lost. This is where you just get lost. That's why people kill themselves and stuff, you know, feel lost. Man, I just don't feel like I have anything to live for. That's what he could have done. But here's what's important. He kept going. There are moments when it dries up. There are moments when it doesn't work. There are moments when things don't go right. And there are moments in your life when that, my friend, is part of the growing process. But what I like about this guy, for 40 years, he now takes on a new job, a new career as a sheep dude. He's with sheep. I was in Israel, and I saw a herder guy walking, uh, you know, in some parts of Israel. Not, you know, you think it's like the old days with camels. It's not. But there are parts of Israel, parts of the, of, especially in that part of the world, where you know, the people still do sheep stuff. You know, they're still with the stick and walking around in the sheep. And bah, it's just amazing. And I remember riding down a road, and I thought, that's Moses' job. <laughs> that's what I thought to myself. That's what Moses used to do. Have you survived failure? Have you emotionally dealt with what didn't work? Where have you placed that? What's going to happen now? Here's a big question. What is your new dream? Can you dream again? Can you find the courage to dream of love again. Can you please for a moment not define all men by him? All men don't have his name. All women are not her. Every job is not like that. Everybody in this industry is not like that. It's not true. What happens to you if you're not careful is you don't know how to dream again. Because you get up every morning and you live in the circle of your failure. And you tell everybody about it, and you make everybody pay for it. Everybody did not molest you. I'm sorry to bring it up. But everybody didn't. Every man didn't. Every person, well, that one's in my world did, Pastor Ray. That's not everybody. 
It's not me. It's not everybody. You can feel that everybody's your father. Everybody's not your dad. Every father doesn't father the way he father. A mother doesn't mother the way your mother and mother did. Everybody's not them. Stop putting everybody in the box and saying, you all. No, they didn't. So some guy, he's mad with the world, right? So he goes and stabs people that he doesn't even know. Really? This is stupid. You're mad about something in the community, so what do we do? We burn down all the stores in our neighborhood. We riot. Really? Okay. So now we have no place to buy milk. This is brilliant. So, so I'm going to take it out. I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to go to school and shoot children. Oh, this is, I'm mad with society. So what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go shoot some children who have, who have popped. What, what, what are you doing? It's mis, misapplied anger, my friend. You know what your problem is? You can blame Trump. The Republicans, the Democrats, you can blame anybody you want to. But in my mind, the question is, Ricky Temple, what is your dream? They will come and go. They are turn on terms. They will leave us. All this will pass. But at the end of the day, do I have a dream? Good God Almighty. Do I have a vision for me? For the Temple family. For overcoming by faith. For my city. Do I have a vision? For my future, outside of doing this job, who is Ricky Temple? Is he just a preacher, dude? Is he going to be just, who is he going to be when he's not this? What is he going to be? Am I going to be lost? You ever seen retired pastors? They look lost, some of them. I don't want to be that guy. I have a dream. Say that with me, please. Come on. Don't think about the speech for a minute. Just say the words. Come on, say See, so you can't even think about it without thinking about, oh, that's Martin Luther King. No, I'm talking about you. Come on, say, I have a dream. Here's a quick question. I'm going to get off a little bit and say this. You know, what if, I, what if I don't have a dream? What if I don't have a personal dream? Find somebody with one and help build their dream. Help build their dream and your dream will grow. I always work with dreamers because dreamers inspire me. They motivate me. What I got to be careful is that I don't mismanage that opportunity. Now, I'm going to show you a fourth part of it, which is painful, but I need to show you this because I, I think it's important. And Moses, he got off in his dream, which brings me to the fourth point, the final point here today. Moses, um, he, had a, he had a problem. He, um, he had an obedience problem. When he got angry, his dream got confused. He generally mismanaged his life when he was angry. So children of Israel came to him, you know, and they asked him for water, and they were complaining. There's always murmuring, you know, you, didn't, you brought us out here to die and all this. And so he got tired of it, and they came to him one time too many. And so in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7, it said, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Listen, here's what you do. I know they've come to you, they've complained, but take the rod, the rod you and your brother, Aaron, Gather the congregation together, and all I want you to do is speak to the rock. And if you speak to the rock, Moses, I'll cause water to come out of it. But if you skip down to verse 11 of Numbers chapter 20, it says, Then Moses did what? Lifted his hand, and what did he do? Struck the rock how many times? Twice with his rod. And the water came out, right? 
But, but notice, notice with me, when he did this, skip all the way down to verse 12, if you would please, under the note there. It said, then the Lord spoke to Moses, Aaron, and said, because you did not believe me to hollow me or make me sacred in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring them this assembly into the land which I've given them. In other words, this part of your dream you disqualify for now because of your temper. Can I ask you something? Is your temperament going to rob you of something? Is it possible that you, because of the way you respond, are you going to let your disobedience lock you out of your future dreams? You just can't do right. <laughs> Golly, boy, my job. But Jesus, the things I know. I looked, in a, I looked in a leader's face one day and I said, can I ask you something? I said, dude, God gave you this opportunity. Can God put any pretty women around you that you don't want to sleep with? Can, is it possible that anybody can work for you and be safe? And he looked at me. I said, I want, now think about this, sir. You're unsafe. You shouldn't be. You're, you're unsafe. There, you, you do not have the capacity to stay focused on the job. Should, what is this? Moses, I give you an opportunity. I give you the leadership over 3 million people. And what do you do? You get in front of them, and you, you're 100 plus years old by now. And you're still smoking rocks, cussing people out, yelling at them. I, I heard some old dude downtown cussing like he's crazy. I once said, Did, did you, Grandpapa, could you stop that? I mean, it's just, I'm going to blank him up. I'm going to blank him up. I'm going to blank him up. I'm going to blank, blank him up. I'm going to blank. I don't take no blank because I'm a blank blanker. And I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm trying to go get something to eat. And you're just a cousin. I'm trying to go out on a date with my wife. And you're walking behind this cousin. Could you go ahead? Cussing is that way. Just go that way. <laughs> just cussing. Some of you just cuss too much. You cuss. You can't even talk. You in church now, you got all your cuss words on lockdown. You get in, when you pull in the church parking lot, all right, cussing, lockdown, lockdown, all cussing. All, no time you leave, you won't be outside. I can't believe blank, 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 Pastor Ray talking about me, blank, blank. Yeah, I cuss. <laughs> you too, sister. Don't be like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you women are just as bad. Lord have mercy. I don't understand that. My whole family used to cuss. They used to cuss all the time. That's cussed around me as a kid. They cussed. My grandma, auntie cussed. Like, she cussed in all kinds of languages. She cussed all the time. My, my aunties cussed. All of them cussed. My mom was the only one that didn't cuss. All of them cussed. I mean, they would just blank, blank. I was a kid. I used to hear it all the time. What is it about you? Temple, your words, your attitudes. It's going to lock you out of your harvest. There's, I wrote it down for you, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 37, and Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. I'm not going to read it, but Deuteronomy chapter 1 and chapter 3. God, Moses went to God and said, hey, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Can I, can I have this again? And God said to him in chapter 3, don't ask me that again. And if you read it in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and verse 37, or Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23, it starts off with this incredible statement. He said, this is Moses talking in Deuteronomy to the second generation. So all the first generation has died out, right? All of the kids, that, all the parents have died, and everybody that was 19 and, old and younger lived, and everybody that was 20 years and older died. 
And, there, and the 40 years they were in the wilderness, it was a punishment. And he said, he said, because you guys went and spied out the land for 40 days and you rebelled against me, he said, what's going to happen is for every day you went over there and doubted that I was going to give you this promised land, you're going to spend a year wandering in the wilderness. And so for 40 years, they sit there. So Moses in Deuteronomy is talking to the second generation, all the kids of those people. And, and so he starts out with this incredible statement. He says, because of you, the Lord won't let me in. Really? Because of you, the Lord won't let me in. Really? It's not because of your temper? Just, could it possibly be that the dream was mismanaged? That I gave you this opportunity and you've mismanaged it. And you no longer have it. No longer yours. How do you dream again? Starts by managing the dream. Manage the dream better. Because it's truth, as I close with this. The danger of not having a dream is it makes you sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Man. In the Message Bible, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, where that verse is located, it says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, but a sudden good break can turn, the, turn life around. The danger of not having a well-informed dream is you'll end up destroyed. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. They don't have a vision or a dream because there's no vision, no passion, no clarity of direction. They're just floating and living and end up being destroyed. I, you, my prayer as I close is this, that between here and when we finish, you dream again. Between here and when we're done, something awakens in you, a hope, a passion. Let me tell you what, what really works. If you don't have a dream, do this. Ready? Come here, Archie. You don't mind. Come here. Come here. All right. If you ain't got a dream, yeah, get, get behind somebody. Turn and face them, please. Face them, yeah. And just peek over. If he got the dream, I ain't got one. Get with him. I'm going to ride you back. No, no, no. <laughs> so don't do that, Pastor. Don't do that. But, but you know, just I, I, I got to get with somebody that's got a dream. And then they teach me. They show me how to manage, how to do it, how to get there. You see, he's been a manager for years, and he's coached a whole bunch of staff people. Thank you, Art. Appreciate it. It's all about finding it. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Stop trying to clean up everything by yourself. Did you learn something today? Come on, I hope you did. Let's all stand. I'm three minutes over, but at least I know it, huh? <laughs> Father, we thank you for the word today and all that's been said and done. We leave with faith and confidence, believing it's time to dream again for our church, for our families, for our business people, for me. Bring me up that chair. Would you? Would y'all see something? There's a picture of me. I'm going to have to dig it up. We bought this land. Right here for me. Thank you.
And um, I was sitting outside. We put a sign up. It's to the future home of overcoming by faith. And I'm out there like this. <laughs> and I saw that picture. And I was in my mid-30s. And I thought, let's see, see how old I was for real. I'm 61 now. Um, that was in 1989, right, Diane? How long ago was that? How many years? What's that? This is 30 years. So how old was I? 31? Wow. I didn't, wow. Right, Diane? 31-ish? That's me. I looked at that picture and I said, here's a guy about to buy the most expensive property. Here's a guy that's about to buy eight acres. Eventually he'll have 20. Here's a guy with a dream. He's on television every day. He's on the radio every day. He's on many stations around the country. He's passionate and he's in his early 30s. He just bought his first home at 28, and he's dreaming. What happened to that guy? Do I still have a dream? Joshua in chapter 1 is 60-plus years old. Stop allowing yourself to exist. It's time to dream again. Amen. Come on, amen. 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 Father, we've been dreaming all along. We've been doing things. It's been amazing from 31 to 61. We've seen thousands of people saved. We've seen thousands of millions of dollars raised. We've seen us build uh, tons and buy tons. And we've touched, I mean, golly, every year, you know, 52,000 of people have been saved. It's been amazing. But we're not finished yet. And so I declare in Jesus' name that we will leave this place today inspired to, to go back to that snapshot. What is my dream? What was my dream? And now we're going to work on managing a new dream. And this is going to become an exciting season for us. Some of us are going to rise to levels we never thought. We're going to make more money than we ever made. We're going to touch more lives than we ever touched. We're going to be stronger physically. We're going to look better than we've ever looked in our life. We're going to get in the best shape of our life. We're going, to be, we're going to be wiser, go back to school, get educated. Some of us are going to do amazing things, make new friends, travel to new places. It's going to be an amazing season because we're going to believe again. You are calling us to trust you, <laughs> and you are challenging us to believe you. And so we answer your call today, and we settle in our minds that you are in our hearts and lives. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, for some of you, you'd say, Pastor, what I need to do is dream about my spiritual life. If you are a person who wants me to pray for you because you said, Pastor, my issue is my spiritual walk with God. I want you to pray for me. When I leave here today, I want to know that I, 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 I made it right with God. And I just want your, your prayers because I need him in my life in a real way. And I dream of being closer to God. I dream of really serving him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you right now, if that's you, to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see one. Do I see two, three? I see four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12 plus people. Father, touch the hearts of these who've raised their hands. May this be 
the beginning of a brand new life for them as we pray this prayer. We pray that the Holy Spirit would bring grace, bring healing and strength to them. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. In your seat back pocket. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's message. I pray that it lifted you up. You know, the Bible said the word of God can go down to the very marrow of the bone. It can reach into the very deep parts of your soul. And I hope you were blessed today. If you like the message, it helped you link it and send it to a friend. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I pray that God will use this word to bless you and many others. You have a blessed day. God bless.